It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics are roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, it's always good to talk with you. Good morning, Tom and Paul. Morning, Henry. <clears throat> and last but not least, Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley joins the roundtable this week. Hey, Wood. Hey, how you doing, Tom and Paul and uh, my uh, favorite Republican, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Morning, Wood. Well, we always start armchair politics with a few quotes, and the first one, of course, is always finish the quote. How would you finish this quote? Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to what? Uh, Join the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Reevaluate. Find a new horse. Find a new horse. Yeah. Well, the the original quote goes like this, and I, I, Paul, I think you were kind of close to it. Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. Mm. And that comes. From, and that's pretty much what I said too. <laughs> and that, that yeah, comes. Showing the other side. And and that comes from Mark Twain. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like Mark Twain. But uh, mm-hmm. an interesting quote from this past week was uh, this one. The biggest threat to the American people is the president. Um, Who do you think said that? So the Bob Wood, it wasn't Bob Woodward. No, no, it wasn't Bob Woodward. 
Although that's an inter- that's an interesting uh, guess, though, Wood, because uh, yeah. it was actually Governor Gretchen Whitmer who unloaded on President mm. Donald Trump on Thursday over the revelations from a new book by uh-huh. investigative reporter Bob Woodward calling mm. Trump the biggest threat to the American people. The Washington Post, based on hours of taped interviews Trump gave Woodward of Watergate fame, reported Wednesday that Trump knew in early February that the coronavirus was spread through the air and was deadlier than the flu and had been warned by experts it would pose a serious challenge to the U.S., but that Trump wanted to downplay the seriousness of the virus to avoid creating a panic. Are revelations from the new Woodward book likely to impact Trump's campaign or his supporters? Uh, this is this is the, the one more book in a long string. What's been called the Trump Book Club anymore? I mean, there's a whole string of these things, and I'm starting to wonder whether it makes any difference. I mean, I think opinions are kind of frozen in, and I'm not so sure it's going to change an awful lot of views, all things considered, just at least right now. I would I would agree that in terms of the yeah, base, I would agree. Uh, I don't I don't think the base is going to going to move at all. But but for those folks who and and this is um, probably a very very small group of folks who um, maybe are, you know I could go this way I could go this some something like this could push I think that small number uh, into the other column. Did did you see uh, the president last night with um, you're talking about undecided <laughs> wood? Did you see the uh, the town hall with undecided voters last night, mostly from Pennsylvania? <laughs> I saw part of it. Yeah, so did I. You know, the, one of one of the interesting takeaways from this, and this is where, I, unfortunately, uh, and I think he, uh, you know Trump has always been something of a of a caricature. Uh, but but he's become even more of a character now. Here it is. He gets asked uh, a question by Stephanopoulos about um, masks, and his answer was to blame Biden for. I mean, yeah. Like, what would Biden have to do? Biden doesn't um, issue any orders. I mean, he's not in in, in a position to to do that. It just. I, I just think that he, he just become laughable, and that, that's unfortunate for the country. And I, you yeah. know, I mean, him, I, I wouldn't care, uh, but for the country, I think it's, it's just anyway. Some some I, people I don't want to get ahead of myself. Some people reflected after uh, afterwards last night that um, that he was a little less combative than the usual uh, Trump that we see, and and maybe a little bit more human. Yeah, no, actually, one reaction I had, I, I, I was critical in the sense that that was almost, on occasion, was almost like a, an hour and a half Trump infomercial, because, yeah, he did come across as the kinder, gentler Trump, at least here and there, uh, which was, I'm sure, part of the part of the plan. And, and, Tom, that's kind of my view as well. He is less combative, and he listens more, and he accepts uh, more... <clears throat> of other people's thoughts and opinions and beliefs, and uh, try to and try to entrain those in his own thinking. So he's getting better at that kind of issue, 
until he tweets for the next day. Well, let's see, see what he tweets today. I mean, he, he may have stayed on the group last night. We'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, I but that's Trump. That's Trump. That's the real Trump. That's I, I, who you're well, dealing isn't with. That, isn't, that like, isn't that like the guy going into the, the church and shooting it up and then fighting um, Scripture as he's being led away? I mean, you know, the damage is already done. So who cares if he signs kind kinder and gentler right, and right. I can cite the, the, the 23rd Psalm <laughs> at this juncture. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's what leaders should be able to do. That's the one thing that leaders should be able to do. They should be able to evaluate the impact of their actions and change them when they think that they're on the wrong path. Yeah, <laughs> or their the path is questionable. <laughs> but when you can't do that, you're the wrong leader for in a democracy. I, I, Henry, I agree. When your ASS is on fire, generally you start to reflect on, darn, you know, maybe I should. But that's not Trump. Trump does not kiss ASS. Maybe I shouldn't have put all those matches in my back pocket. I mean, yeah, yeah, if your ASS is on fire, yeah, you you start to reflect. But he doesn't do that. Trump will not kiss anybody. If ASS is on fire. Oh, well, okay. I thought it was I thought it was a little awkward. I don't know what uh, what the rest of you thought. I think I probably have a feeling of what Woodrow thought. But um, when he was asked about uh, the slogan um, "Make America Great Again" and yeah. when was American great or America great, it was asked by an African American who admitted to voting for Jill Stein last time around. By yeah. the way, which I thought was kind <laughs> of interesting, but. Um, <laughs> But he, he, he really challenged the president to identify a time when America was great for the purpose of pointing out that it may not have been great for African Americans. And the, the president kept trying to steer the conversation to the, the period immediately preceding the pandemic as the best time ever in the history of America for African Americans in terms of, of, you know, numbers and, you know, growth in wages and shrinkage in unemployment figures and so on. I, I don't know that he was really able to make that case. It was a very uncomfortable section of the, the discussion for me yeah. as I watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, yeah. Can, you can just blame him for that. Uh, in this country, we have always had the problem with race, and Democrats cannot be absorbed from that. You know, they're part of it. They're part of the history. We all are part of whatever is generated in this country and our attitudes toward each other, race and economics and foreign policy and all of that. We cannot escape it. Henry, we're too... Early into the, this this discussion, for me to agree with you twice, it's only about <laughs> but but but, but uh, I, I am going to agree with you that race is not a partisan contest. I I, I absolutely agree uh, with you there. But I, I, I you know I just want to kind of disagree with you that Trump. Uh, I mean Trump has a long history with and not a not a glorious one with the issue of race. A long, long oh, yeah. document. Yeah. This is not Woodrow Stanley. This is this is documented history. And so 
I, you know, I just want him to talk about, I mean, you know, his opinion, and he shared his opinion. He's not But most guy. white Americans have had this long relationship with No, 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 with no. I don't want to put racism. most white Americans with Trump. Most yes, white yes, Americans they are. <laughs> you can't delete. And my, the other commenters on the show, if they would step forward and say it correctly and, and give us what they believe, they would probably agree with me. And most Americans would agree with me. They don't hide it. And that's what I like about the country. It's moving in the right direction because people are admitting they had a problem with race. Because you can't admit it, you can't change anything. We, 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 we agree with that. Okay. But Donald Trump I'm all has done not with it. Taken, taken that position, remember. It, it, he has okay. not Trump, taken Trump that position. Trump has highlighted it in so many ways. Trump has really right. brought it out. So well, it's, it's, it's a question that, that nobody has been able to answer very well and that you know is in the wake of this slogan make america great again um what america are they talking about that was great what yeah. what period of time in history was america <laughs> great and and a lot of people will have different thoughts on that but but i think that that what the uh the guy asking the question was looking for is has it ever been great for african americans and isn't it and, about time and that's a good question that's a good question it is a because good question because america was great america was great it was great to the people who was who it intended to serve but it, it became the richest hang on it became the richest country in the world it provided great wealth to its constituency it protected them from the outside insurgencies. And the only people that were left out of this were African-Americans. And, and finally, now Amer American people are beginning to see exactly that they had been wrong. They had been left out of the equation. And that was one time the South, the solid South, were all Democrats. So they changed about the time of Johnson and became Republicans. <clears throat> That didn't change their attitudes or, uh, or, um, or motives for how they treated black Americans. They were still the same people. And now we're trying to clean them up and say they were all right. We pick on the South all the time and never pick on the North because there were people downtown Flint. In 1950, they couldn't go to one side of the street or the other without being called the N-word. Or, or, and you guys would yeah. remember this. You yeah. Can look at it, so yet they pick on the man in the south to yeah. cast doubt on their own behavior here. You can look at the old Flynn journals and see the uh, the houses listed by race for, for rental yes. for right. sale in the right. 1950s or right. before. Can, can I just so say we this all have to bear that brunt. Yeah, just quickly. Can, we, can I, quick, real quickly about Make America Great Again. I, I, the only problem I have with the slogan is this: is you know, it's 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 not, you know, it's too broad. If you, if if you talk about America's great moments, we can think of hundreds of moments when America has been. That moment was a shining example of America being great. You know, right. uh, the emancipation was a great moment. Uh, going to the moon was a great moment. I mean, it, it, there are great moments. But we've also had some pretty colossal failures as well. On that note, we're going to have to take a short break, but we'll be back with more of uh, mm -hmm. Armchair Politics with uh, Henry Hatter, Paul Rosicki, and uh, joining in this, 
Joining us this week, Woodrow Stanley. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... 
It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that'll tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box. Do it today. Tom Sumner, program.com. Tom Sumner, program.com. This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Woodrow Stanley. Uh, one more quote to squeeze in before we uh, move on to some local, state, and national headlines and current events. Um, this one, uh, kind of interesting. First for me, Trump campaign tracked me down from pics I tweeted and escorted me out. Anybody, um, anybody know who my uh, it, it was a reporter, Hello? I think. It, it was. It that was that yeah, a female reporter, if I recall. Yeah. Oh, looks like uh, we got to get... Um, Paul back into the conversation here. Hey, uh, also, uh, Tom, I have a... Paul, you back with us? No, we're back, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Henry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Tom, when I was speaking to about white Americans all over the country being guilty of the race issue, I don't mean to condemn them because many of them, we would not be where we were if it were not for them. But what I wanted to point out is that... uh, some of the worst times in our history has been 1920. We had a president, Woodrow Wilson, who threw all of the blacks out of the out of the White House, right. and uh, that, those were sad times. And and then they um, had the uh, that 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 uh, the idea of condemning all black people because they were not worthy of uh, serving in public places, uh, they didn't match up to whites and their um, intelligence and so on and so forth. The name of, for that cult escapes me at the moment, but you would remember that. Those were sad times, and women were felt, uh, were given these drugs that made them uh, immune from having uh, birth, and later on they put the man under Syphilis drugs and stuff like that. Those were sad times. Well, that's why Everybody, it's that's why that's why it's agree. important yeah. when somebody uses a phrase like "Make America Great Again." That no, that it's just the able, opposite. That they be able to identify it's, what they're imagining as America being great for the purposes. Yeah, well, what, what, what era are we talking but, about? But what is really nice? What my point is? What's really great about this is that white Americans have now acknowledged that. And you can't change anything unless you acknowledge it. But you come to grips with it. And this is what the white Americans have shown that they do statistically, because many of them 10 years ago did not know how severe the race issue was. But they're opening up now and saying, well... I think you're seeing a little of that now. I mean, the the question is whether or not... People like Trump will recognize that and respond to it in a meaningful way. Well, it's way. not only Trump. Trump is only one person. Yeah, he's only a symbol. It's, I realize it's got to be the American people. Yeah. Well, let's, and, and I, to be honest, yeah. I think the American people may be ahead of him in some ways. I mean, you take a look at some of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations. Many of them are, are uh, 
very, very integrated affairs. Well, let's let's uh, let's leave that in the last segment and move back uh, okay. into this segment. Thank you. Thank, the, thank uh, you for that clarification. Yeah, the quote: First for me, Trump campaign tracked me down from pics I tweeted and escorted me out. Uh, Paul, you were you were offline there when I read the quote before. Um, any thoughts on who that was? Huh. Escorted me out. That was uh, actually yeah, I don't know. that was Kathleen Gray, a longtime political reporter for the Free Press, who now works oh, yeah. for the New York Times. Yeah, New York Times. Oh, and that oh, was oh. that was news to me that she had moved over to the New York Times. I, I didn't know, know about that either. you. Yeah, no, um, I did not know that. But she said she was removed from President Donald Trump's Michigan rally on Thursday after tweeting that few in the crowd appeared to be wearing masks. Was it appropriate to remove this reporter for tweeting those photographs? No, not at all. No, she, the reporter shouldn't have been kicked out for that, for, for that or for a lot of other reasons. Yeah, I, I've read the entire story, and so I, I don't think she should have been kicked out, but you remember that the, the uh, explanation was that she, was, she didn't have credentials, she didn't have media credentials, Apparently there was some mix-up, and she uh, asked for her credentials after the deadline, and she came and and, and, and she was in a section that was not the media section. So I, I I did read the whole story. I was familiar with who she was from the you know the Michigan connection, but um, I, you know I I did listen. That's one where you know she didn't have credentials. And I think we all know that if you're in the media, uh, you're not you're not exempt from uh, you know having credentials. Yeah, so that, I, that I much is know. true. That's true. Yeah. And and actually, that um, you know that sort of raises the the question that by <clears throat> by reporting on being removed and saying it was because of the tweeted photographs doesn't that sort of support uh, Donald Trump's case about the media being out to get him and uh, fake news I, I would just say this um, and and of, of, of the folks on this conversation I guess I'm the only one that has um, you know a long standing uh, history with the media and I have the scars both mental <laughs> and physical, uh, to, uh, to prove it. But, but, and, and here, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm sort of, you know, I'm saying this with a little bit of a herky jerky, uh, in my uh, voice because Trump does have a point on the bias. I mean, let me tell you, I mean, I can tell you, and Paul knows this probably better than anybody else other than myself on this in terms of the Flint Journal. It was an absolute, it wasn't a bias, it was an animus toward mm-hmm. me. And yeah. so I recognize some of this, some of what Trump is talking about with certain media outlets. It's just, it is absolutely, sometimes for me, as a person that's been covered by the media for a long time, I, 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 even when I agree with the ultimate uh, point, I disagree with sometimes the slant, I, you know. Because I think it's sometimes you can you can do what you have to do, say what you have to say. You don't have to make the slant so freaking obvious. Yeah, and I and I'm picking up on that uh, on 
a number of different news sources. In in straight news stories, there there's language that's loaded to tilt the story one way or the other, and um, and it's troubling to me. And this is especially troubling to me too because Kathleen Gray has been has has done an outstanding standing job of reporting on Lansing in the Detroit Free Press yeah, over the last professional. Yeah, she's she's one that I would not expect to be in this kind of uh, twist. Anyway, well, when she was, when she was kicked out, was the reason given whether it was credentials or whether it was the what, what the picture she had taken? Well, they said it was that she was she didn't have she didn't have credentials and she was okay. in the, she was in a section that she shouldn't have been in. You I know, see. the media was not allowed. That was a section for the public or whatever, and she was there. I think uh, interviewing some folks or whatever, and and she shouldn't have been in that section. <laughs> that was I think that was what the the um, Trump organization said. Then this issue is not an issue, and we are wasting time discussing it. She did something wrong, and obviously Trump spotted it and said, hey, you shouldn't be in here. That's it. That's well, the end and, of it. And I'm will... sure that Ms. Gray wanted to be a professional, and she wanted to be legal and stuff like that. But to try to justify something that's illegal is ridiculous. And I will just say for uh, for clarification, the quote that I used came from her tweet. Um, right. That's that's what she tweeted out that they tracked me down from pics I tweeted and escorted me out. Woodrow said he you know drilled down on the story and that the uh, Trump campaign said that she wasn't credentialed and that's why she was escorted out. And uh, mm-hmm. I agree with Henry. I think we've uh, probably uh, rode this horse to death. So uh, time to move on. And she and Miss Gray deserves a debt of, of appreciation. She she admitted that, that she was in the wrong place and, you know, she didn't have the credentials. That was it. And most people would never admit to that. Give the person an A for being honest and forthright. Well, moving on, we've got uh, Flint residents are invited to attend uh, conversations in the courtyard and meet one-on-one with Mayor Sheldon Neely to raise any issues or questions they wish to discuss. The conversations in the courtyard events are a variation on the mayor's typical open office hours with residents. Residents have the same opportunity to discuss any issue or topic of their choice, but conversations in the courtyard will allow for additional health precautions, including hosting the meetings outdoors and by appointment to limit crowding. Social distancing will be enforced and masks required for all who are able to uh, wear one. It is an honor to serve as mayor, and my office will always be open and accessible to residents, Mayor Neely said. It is vitally important to me that we resume uh, these meetings to keep our community moving in a positive direction. The first conversations in the courtyard event is planned for tomorrow. Interested residents can call the mayor's office at 810-766-7346 to make an appointment. My question is, uh, is it a little late in the season to be launching outdoor meetings? <laughs> it's chilly pretty, out there. It's going to get chilly pretty fast. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, 
uh, when I saw that, I thought, well, it's just, you know, it's kind of a larger version of the usual coffee hour kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, the outdoor meetings are going to get uh, get kind of dicey very quickly. And, you well, know, I, I have to give uh, uh, Neely uh, a debt of gratitude here myself for being open to do this. He has the courage. He has the knowledge. He has the power. And he has the confidence. He can do that. No matter what the public, no matter what Republicans think of him or Democrats or critics or anything like that. I appreciate what he's doing. Yeah, and I think politically it's probably a wise move. It's going to look good, I suspect. Um, the only risk may be is that it, will that will that engender any kind of organized protests or demonstrations for folks who do not like Neely. That's a possibility, but I think politically, at least right now, I think it's probably a, a, a smart move. Yeah, he's got to look as strong as the governor would. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just, yeah. I would just say this as as the guy who brought a mayor's open door to Flint. Um, I, I, I think you all remember that, don't you? Um, and, 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 I don't remember, but I'd be glad to give it but, to you. Well, that's well, the right no, thing to do. I don't. I don't need you to give it to me. I think <laughs> I to well, see, I don't know that. Please don't take <laughs> no, it away no, no, from no, me. No, no, but I'll right, turn against you. I, well, what I wanted to say because I, I'm this morning, I'm, I'm not accepting gifts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only earns. <laughs> okay. I, All right. The, the, point that I, the point that I was making was that I, you know I know about the open door piece because we did it. We. You know, uh, and and it worked well. Uh, and in, in in Mayor Neely's case, you know, this is a visual, uh, and I think you've already said doing it in the fall. If you were doing it in May, uh, hey, look, I understand because now you got the whole the entire summer to do it. You're doing it in the fall. It's almost uh, October. Well, you know, you're not going to be doing it, but for probably a week or two. You know, yeah, four at best. So, right, exactly. So, you know, I hey, look, I, I understand. So, it's, it's like what Henry said before. We've talked about this one enough. We can move on. All right. <laughs> you well, did say that, Henry. <laughs> then, then. Oh, you're agreeing with me, and I don't want you to well, agree with me. That's, that's the third or fourth time in a half an hour. I don't know. This is a strange day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Thank I'll you. find some things that they'll disagree on before we're done. So, <laughs> I'm sure you will. Um, let's move across the street then. County Health Officer John McKellar, who helped repair the standing of the health department after the Flint water crisis and led local efforts to combat the coronavirus, uh, is retiring, and a national search for his successor has begun. Uh, McKellar said he is expecting to leave his post next month, three years after agreeing to take on the job, first on an interim basis and then as the permanent replacement for former health officer Mark Valachek. Uh, I had contemplated doing this in the spring, and COVID-19 hit, McKellar said Tuesday. It was clear to me that I really couldn't go then. The pandemic clearly still has other phases and stages to play out, but I think this is an okay time for me to leave and have some fresh leadership. There have been uh, 3,411 cases of coronavirus reported in the county and 281 deaths as of Monday. Um, any concerns about changing health officers at this stage of the pandemic? 
Well, it's going to be um, a challenge for whoever comes on board. It, it's right. Well, and there's so much, there's so much that we've learned about uh, the COVID and health in the past uh, 360 days that uh, most people are familiar with the issues that's involved, involving health issues, whether it's water or whether it's COVID. And uh, I think that anybody can transition into the position with the credentials and move the city ahead. Not, there should be no mistake about this. Even Actually, I could it's do a county. It. It's a county. It's a county position, Henry. So it's for the yeah. entire county, right? Yes. But but basically, you agree that agree with him that this is an okay time to change the leadership up at the health department in Genesee County. Well, it's, I, it's I don't like think he was, that. It like I, he was ready to go anyhow last spring. The way, assuming what he's saying is accurate. Sound like he was about to call it quits in the spring and then decide to hold on until the coronavirus at least plateaued out to some degree. I I, I served on the the board of health before. I I don't. I know that there's been some retirements and so forth. My my question would only be not so much him leaving because I mean you know he wasn't the longest term health officer anyway. Um, but my question would be. How many of those folks in those uh, other leadership support positions are still on board? Because that would be more important to me, really, to yeah. have the, uh, the team, some level of the team still intact, as opposed to just the health officer, him or herself. Because, you know, in that case, I think you can get a, a competent replacement. But a competent replacement and a, and a fractured, free team uh, yeah. the, 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 the leader won't make that much of a difference, I can assure you. I, I, I'll play that. Yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like it's on point. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on. Whatever problems the city of Flint had meeting the requirements for handling absentee ballots and applications in the primary election, it's not being held against the city clerk's office in the run-up to the November 3rd general election. Genesee Circuit Judge Celeste Bell on Monday granted the city's motion for summary disposition of a lawsuit brought by the uh, American Civil Liberties Union and Flint residents despite a request to keep the case open to handle potential election issues in the next several weeks. Attorneys for the city said the lawsuit accomplished what it sought and no issues remain to keep the case open. Alex Gibbs, an attorney for the ACLU and Flint voters who filed the lawsuit, said issues remain with Flint's handling of absentee ballots. Are you confident that Flint ballots will be tallied properly for the upcoming election? Hmm. Well, I think, frankly, except for the the division between the county clerk and the city clerk, I think that things have not been as disastrous as we, we thought they were. That's a, there's a politics between these two entities, but I think that the people who do routinely carry out the process of, of voting and tallying the voting and protecting the vote and, and uh, also broadcasting the vote out to the people who need to know have done reasonably well. I don't think that we've heard a lot of of uh, pandering or tinkering with the vote in Flint. I, I, I just have not. 
heard enough to be really concerned about that. Actually, what I've heard is that compared to Detroit, I mean, we had our problems, it's true, but compared to Detroit, we probably did somewhat better than Detroit. And all things considered, the number the tallies got in within, what, 24 or 36 hours after the election day. So it, it got done. It wasn't perfect, and it had its flaws, but it got done. And again, it, uh, at least the stuff I'm seeing suggests that things are being being improved and, and tightened up for the for the fall uh especially with the, the flood of absentee ballots that are likely to be coming in. I, you know, I, I don't have any greater or lesser uh, concerns about any massive problem with voter tallying and the like with the city of Flint than I do overall in America. I, you know, my, my con, my, I do have concerns about uh, interference and so forth, but I've had those concerns uh, in other elections, they're a little bit more heightened, but it's not mm-hmm. focused at the at the city of Flint. Let me just tell you one quick concern that I this is a visual for me, and Paul, you you would join me on this to some extent. So, as a as a longtime supporter of the ACLU and former board member of the ACLU, I, I I can tell you that I was a little concerned that when I heard ACLU uh, suing the city clerk's office because that that visual just. I, 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 and again, I have not done a lot of uh, research on this. I've read the stuff, but hey, look, I didn't get all in the, the middle of trying to find out all of the, the particulars here. I do know who some of the uh, the folks associated with this, not Gibbs, uh, but, but some of the other other folks who are part of the lawsuit. And that that was more troubling to me, really, just that visual um, because, I, again, as a, as a rule, most of the things that ACLU has taken to court, whether it's here or nationally, I've been pretty pretty supportive. Right, right. As I say, my, at least my, my feeling right now is it looks like whatever problems there are getting getting worked out. I mean, say it may not be perfect. It's never been a perfect system for it. It can't be perfect. But I think mm-hmm. all things considered, considering the changes we're going through with the pandemic and absentee voting, it my my reaction right now is that it it's looking pretty good, all things considered, for the fall. Henry, what do you think? Do you think we're going to be uh, that Flint's going to be okay in uh, uh, tallying the votes this November? Yes, I do. I I, I think. Um I think that they're going to be okay. I, I think we've had lots of discussion. They've fought the issue back and forth. People have said what they, uh, what they wanted to say about it. They have um, uh, shared information throughout the system, cross-contaminated, and I think they'll be ready to move into the election. There will be some people who will complain about it, but I think it's going to work out. And, 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 it's going to be better this year than it's ever been. There will be complaints from the Republicans. There will be complaints from the union. The complaints from uh, African Americans and complaints from unions. But by and large, the American people will will bring us through this. And I'm talking about when I say the American people, it's a cultivation of all of the people collectively and what they do. Well, the number of people that are going to be voting by mail is going to make this a very different election, and we'll be talking about that some more in the next hour. 
uh, here on Armchair Politics. But right now, we need to take a short break. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll return with this week's edition of Armchair Politics. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. 
All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics with Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Woodrow Stanley, continues now on the Tom Sumner Program. And we turn to yet another legal uh, issue facing the city of Flint. Uh, First Ward Flint Councilman Eric Mays is suing Mayor Sheldon Neely, one of Neely's top aides, the city attorney, a Flint police officer who has removed him from meetings and fellow council members claiming they've violated his constitutional rights. In a federal lawsuit filed Friday, Mays claims those he has sued have violated his right to free speech, due process, and unreasonable seizure denied him equal protection under the law and subjected him to false arrest. My uh, reputation and image has been marred by a group of council people. What else could I do, Mays said Monday. But the city immediately called the lawsuit frivolous and said it would ask in U.S. District Court for an order forcing Mays to reimburse the city for the cost of defending itself in the lawsuit. Does Eric have a case? No. Uh, the, you know, the board or the committee, by two-thirds of its uh, majority, can order Mr. Mays out of the out of the boardroom if he is interfering with the orderly business of the committee. My understanding and, is they, they did, I believe they did follow their own internal rules. I, I yeah, believe yes. in those areas. You can do that. that. See, you can never, uh, I, a public committee, you can never spellbound it. It must have a way to wiggle out of a situation before the public. It's not left defensive. But it 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 does have those kind of that kind of authority, and you can, it cannot abrogate that authority. It, it cannot look elsewhere for would relief. would what do you think? Do you think Eric has a case, or is this Eric being Eric? I you know I um, so I have a couple of of um, quick points. One is I served on the city council for eight and a half years. Um, and I mean, we had characters who served, uh, and sometimes, you know, their behavior was bothersome. So those were characters who were sitting with me. Then we had characters in the audience. Um, but in eight and a half years, I, number one, I only think we had police officers in the um, council chambers a handful of times. Um, Never had uh, a council member removed ever from committee or from 
regular council meeting. And there were, I mean, there were occasions when, you know, tempers would, uh, would, would flare. And so I, I, I don't think that uh, Eric should be going to court. I, I, I don't think that, I think that this should have been handled the way that collegial bodies handle their business. I, I just think that, you know, whether you're on one side or the other, you protect the institution. And that was one that I was agree. the way that I, I agree. that was the way that I was trained. That was you know, whether it was counseled and 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 uh tutored by the old guys or whatever. That's the way and that's the way I train young people now when I say to them that look, win or lose, remember the institution has to win. Yes. Because we're going to forget about you at some point, but the institution is is supposed to go on. And so I just, my my disappointment with all of this is, and Eric, I consider Eric a friend. I've supported him. Uh, I've been in the minority on that uh, from uh, a a number of points. But but I don't, I just don't like the fact that this goes to court because all all it does is continues to erode the institution. One question I have is, what kind of resolution is Eric seeking? Is he seeking monetary damages or a million dollars to undo some of those orders? What what kind of uh, action is he expect out of the court? He's asking for a million dollars. No, no. Eric is probably the most celebrated uh, member of the Flint City Council. People follow him. They listen to him. He has authority beyond his own. What he believes, he has more authority than he believes he has, and and somehow he's uh, he's abusing it. He needs to tone it down. He needs to make the institution, as Woodrow says, an institution that's capable of survival and respect and dignity. But he's not always doing that. He's moving out in front. He's talking too much. He needs to tone it back. When you talk as much as Eric does, sometimes you become part of the problem, and it's difficult to separate your part of it and the institution's product. And he's been very good at constituent services. I mean, from everybody yeah. who's, who's worked with him and knows him, he returns phone calls, he shows up yes. at public events. He's, he's a very he's powerful man. Very good Many of us would love to have the kind of power that Eric has, yeah. but we don't. But he needs to tone it down. He yeah, needs to make yeah, the know. city come back. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. Henry, no, no, Henry. I was just going to say that I agree with everything you've said. It, it, this is a definitional kind of distinction. I don't know about power. He has influence because his power is derived from the body that he's challenging. <laughs> he has okay. influence, and now that that's a, that may yeah. be a distinction without a difference. But but the power, and this is something again. I said, and you asked. Eric, what was the advice that I gave him when he first was elected? And this is just he and I. And I said, Eric, you're no longer an activist. You're now a trustee. And so as a trustee, where does his power derive? From the institution. As an activist, his power was or influence was out here raising raising hell. Mm. Well, I mean, right now, when you're a member of the council or any public body where you have to you have other folks who are part of that. You have to know when to yell and when to yeah. whisper. 
Woodrow, you and I are on both the same side because I see the same side. Oh, no, I'm, I know. I know. I'm, I know. I'm impacted know. by the same things that you are impacted by because we share culture together. We're supposed to. I don't right. know whether you always share right. with me because I'm a Republican, but but we have the same. <laughs> we look alike. But, yeah, but, uh, but I don't, well, I don't think respect. Eric needs to tone it down. Guys, I don't think respect for. I don't think respect. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Wood. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was no. just going to interject <laughs> that I don't think respect for the institution is a partisan issue. That's no. true. Yeah, it shouldn't be. No. No. It's not, it shouldn't be. No, it can't be. So, I, I, you know, and when everybody is talking, like the city council and Eric and all of them, nobody is listening. Nobody's thinking. And it it, it does, yeah, does tend to turn the, 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 the council meetings into a spectacle. Unfortunately, it's not totally Eric's fault. He's certainly a major factor, but not the only factor, because others respond to him in a similar way. And you get these five and ten hour meetings that go on forever and don't resolve very much. Well, hey, I'll give you, Tom. Yeah, go go ahead. With little bit of quick history, that years and years ago, uh, the city council meetings were on radio, and um, and this is what this is before I was on the council actually, and so some of the older guys told me before I was on council that they they took the council meetings off of radio because they became a spectacle, and mm. that uh, you know for <laughs> the for for members of the council and for the public, and there were there were people who were you know just they came to every council meeting and and to speak, and they would speak. And the, the council meetings were, I don't know if they were live, but I know that they were delayed, too. They were rebroadcast. And so folks just wanted to have their friends, you know, they say, hey, look, I'm going to council meeting. I'm going to raise hell. So listen for me. And they just became. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was, and that was before YouTube, Wood. <laughs> and once this, Eric, Eric has learned, he, he learned the same thing. And so people listen, uh, you know, now, of course, it's, it's all uh, online and so forth. But so he's raising hell, and it works for him. Uh, but it really, in terms of the institution, I, I go back to my er earlier point. I'm not so sure it serves the best interest of the institution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't it used to be called the Monday evening comedy hour? In the back. Yeah, of the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but in, in a lot of institutions, that that won't happen. People will let that kind of. Uh, spectacle uh, rise in the midst of that meeting because the meetings are for the public that they represent, not for, you know, all of this other stuff that goes on. Is decorum, well, <laughs> is decorum a thing of the past? Yes. Sounds like it. Well, that, 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 goes, now. That, that goes nationally. That's not just on Flynn. I think it's becoming, an, unfortunately, a national pattern across the board. Yeah, it does. It, it looks as though they have the same problem that uh, Congress and all of them have. Well, but, like, when we make America great again, we will come back to standards. Maybe Flint was <laughs> at the leading edge of that, that, that trend, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, Flint has that same problem. Because yeah. everybody is the, at war with everybody else. I think the professor of political science, science would tell us that this, you know, Flint would look like kindergartners compared to the way public bodies in some uh, corners of the world... That's true. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, England is one. 
<laughs> yeah, at least anybody ever watched Parliament? Yeah, right. Parliament. <laughs> you watch <laughs> British Parliament? <laughs> yeah. That's that's a real comedy show sometimes. Oh yeah, they throw fists and blows, yeah. even at women. <laughs> Well, we got lots more coming up. We're going to move on to uh, state and um, national uh, headlines and current events when we uh, return. We have uh, a very short break, just a uh, top-of-the-hour ID, and we'll be back with the second half of today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics with Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. So don't touch that dial. I would. that mouse. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 